Christ in us, Christ through us, for the sake of the world. This is a very important facet of prayer as we're in our series, A Conversation About Prayer. Uh, I want us to concentrate on praying for others today. However, I do want to review some of the points from last week's message. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, please visit our website, centennialroad.com. You've got to listen to that message. I'm so glad you're with us, whether you're visiting with us online, on demand, or right here in person. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Pastor Roger. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Centennial Road Church in beautiful Brockville, Ontario. Woohoo! Yes! <laughs> and welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here with us, however you came. I really appreciated Pastor Jason's teaching last weekend when he taught about prayer is limitless. Jesus modeled prayer, number one, by praying for himself, number two, by praying for his friends, his disciples, and number three, by praying for the future, praying for all believers throughout all time, which means us. Jesus prayed for us. And really, if you think about it, Christ's life, his very life, is a prayer for all of humanity, an intercession for others. His self-sacrifice on the cross is the epitome of prayer for others. He even voiced the words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. In Christ's present role, he is our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Prayer matters. In fact, Jesus is still praying for us. And when he walked this earth, he taught us to pray. He taught us to pray for ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. He taught us to pray for others as we forgive them who trespass against us. He taught us to pray for the future. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer, this conversation with God has been practiced throughout all of time, way back in ancient history as well. King David, for instance, he wrote a book of prayers. If you open your Bible up smack dab in the middle, you're going to see the book of Psalms. It's filled with tons of prayers. Jabez, he is known for a now famous prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Jabez, he prayed for himself, he prayed for others, he prayed for his future. Those are three important facets to prayer. We're all learning to pray. In fact, my daughter and my son-in-law are teaching our grandsons to pray. They're teaching them the Lord's Prayer, and so our older grandson has memorized it. They're teaching them other aspects of prayer. Now, at the developmental stages of a nearly two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, some of these concepts, prayer for others, prayer for the future, 
are difficult to comprehend and understand. However, praying for oneself is a concept they can gather. In fact, it's very easy for a four-and-a-half-year-old to think about himself. Now, one day, this four-and-a-half-year-old grandson of mine told me a little bit about his prayer life. And uh, we were talking about it, and he said this, God isn't listening to me. And I assured him that I felt God probably really was listening to him, and I wanted to explore why he was coming to that conclusion, why at this tender age he was already having a crisis of faith. And uh, he said, well, I've been praying that this man with white hair who scares me in my dreams, that that wouldn't happen anymore, and God isn't listening. I still have those dreams. And so I suggested to this grandson that uh, sometimes dreams are just a replay of the cartoons that we've been watching throughout the day. And that perhaps if there was a white-haired villain in some of the cartoons he was watching, that maybe he ought to consider choosing another cartoon. Well, that did not go very well. That, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a viable solution for my grandson. But the fact remains that many of us have had that same type of thinking, that same sentiment. God isn't listening to me. Is he really there? Is he really hearing my prayers? Or am I just talking to walls? And so what really comes into question is the character of God. When we question whether our prayers are really being heard, we're questioning God's goodness, his very character, that he's actually listening. Maybe even we question his very existence. I've entitled this message, Honest, because I want us to embrace honesty, particularly with our maker. So, be honest. Let this be point one in our prayer lives. God can handle our honesty. He can. Now, unanswered prayer, whether it's for ourselves or for others or for our future, can drive people into dilemma, especially given some of the scriptures that we believe. For example, Matthew 21, and Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and never doubt, even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will be done. Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. John 16, truly, truly I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father, he will give it to you in my name. Now these scriptures are indeed true. So how then do we explain unanswered prayer in the light of these truths? We certainly want to avoid the accusation that we just need more faith, that we just got to believe harder. No one needs that accusation. And it is certainly not what Jesus was advocating when he taught those truths. Nor is it that extreme name it and claim it that prosperity gospel that was popular several years ago. It seemed to work for a few, but certainly not for the rest of humanity. Prayer is conditional. 
It is conditional upon being consistent with God's will. So if I pray, and I'm going to use an extreme example, oh God, reduce my belly by an inch and, and add two inches to my biceps, and please use these potato chips to accomplish this. <laughs> that type of prayer is very likely to remain unanswered. Unanswered indeed. Now, one author writes this, even something not immediately immoral or amoral wouldn't necessarily be in God's will because he knows everything and can see where things might lead. Thus, he may refuse some requests. When Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, it's in a familiar Hebrew proverbial sense, which means that it is generally true, but admits that there are exceptions. And so this author, he cites several biblical conditions for answered prayer. I just want us to look at a few. Psalm 66. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah 59. But if your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he does not hear. James 4. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 1 John 5, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So these scriptures would indicate that unanswered prayer really isn't as much about God's character as it is about our own character. Are we willfully sinning and still praying? Are we asking selfishly? Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> you know, I understand. Now, today I told you that I want to concentrate on prayer for others, so let's get to that. The text that Pastor Jason asked me to preach from is Genesis 18, verses 16 to 33. Thank you very much for this extremely difficult passage of scripture, good brother. <laughs> I am learning not to shy away from the hard stuff. We have got to dig in, and it does take work, but it is well worth it. So whenever we find something challenging, dig in. So to set up the passage, we have Jesus and two angels. They appear in human form to visit Abraham. Now, when I was in Bible school, we learned that this appearance of Jesus, or the Lord, uh, before Bethlehem was called a theophany. So God visits people throughout the Old Testament in the form of a theophany, before the incarnation of Christmas. So, the Lord and two angels, they come as men to visit with Abraham, and they have this interaction. Let's look at it, Genesis chapter 18, starting at verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I've chosen him, 
so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So let's pause here. God is declaring his friendship with Abraham. He has chosen Abraham. Now, Abe did nothing at all to deserve to be chosen. He wasn't going, pick me, pick me, pick me. It just happened. God just picked him. And God is now going to fill Abraham on what's happening next. Verse 20. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So the angels are going to go down and see if Sodom is really as bad as the reports that have come to heaven are indicating. So the Bible tells us that Abraham's nephew Lot, who lived in Sodom, was tormented in his soul over the wickedness around him. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. So Lot's own prayers of anguish reached heaven. And now it appears that God was going to do something about it. But what we're going to be looking at today is Abraham's prayer. He is going to advocate for all the righteous people in that city. And his conversation with God is for the benefit of others. So let's look at it in verse 23. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? So Abraham's intercession, his prayer, is for God to spare the whole city on behalf of the few righteous who might be living there. Abraham knows that the wicked deserve punishment, and he is praying that the whole city gets spared, not for the sake of the wicked who live there, but for the sake of the righteous who he doesn't want to die there. And what we see in this friendship that Abraham has with God is honesty. Abe has the guts to say what he's thinking and to even remind God about his own character. You only know how to do what is right. You are not the type of person to do wrong. Now, would your rightness look like sparing the whole city? It's known for its wickedness because of a few righteous. 
He's having this honest conversation. And Abraham is asking the type of questions I think that we ask when we're questioning God's character. God, are you really righteous? Are you really true? Are you really faithful? If so, what does that look like in my life? Are you really hearing my prayers? Verse 26, the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. There's the character of God. And then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Now, this interchange between Abraham and God reveals the character of them both. Abe is not bargaining with God. It's not that type of prayer that some of us do. He is affirming God's goodness and his fairness and his justice his character. And I don't think that the questions themselves only reveal Abraham's character. I think that his attitude reveals his character. It's the way he asked. And so I say to you, ask away. Ask whatever you want of God, whatever your questions are, ask away. But assume that he's your friend. Assume his goodness. Assume that all he can do is good. He doesn't do wrong. That he is just and he is fair. Ask that way. He can't do wrong. Take on Abraham's attitude. Though I am but dust and ashes, your friendship allows me to be bold to speak to you as my friend. So I said that point number one, be honest. Point number two, be humble. That's the makings of a good friendship, honesty and humility. Now we know that Abraham had received this intel from God himself that impending judgment was coming to the city of Sodom and it compelled Abraham to intercession, to pray for others. Prayer and conversation with God on behalf 
of other people. And it revealed his character. So consider this. Prayer is conversation that reveals the character of the participants. Isn't that brilliant? I made that up. I figured that out in my study. Prayer is conversation that reveals the character of the participants. Do not shy away from God about anything that concerns you. The fact is that his character is good and it's perfect and it's true, so learn from him. But now what I want is for us to develop our character. In the, in the prayer journals that we've provided, I ask this question, does impending judgment affect your prayers? Imagine that we're in end times. Or imagine that our loved ones only have one week left on this earth. Hebrews chapter 9 states this, it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. Every single one of us has an expiry date. Does that reality affect your prayers? You know, I found this meme. It was several weeks ago, and I've been looking forward to sharing it with you. If God answered all your prayers, would the world look different or just your life? In today's focus, we're going to be praying for others. So as we do, just submit your character to God. Give him all of your questions. Be honest, be humble, assume he's your friend. Remember, Jesus is always interceding for his people. He's always praying for people. And his prayer on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So let us pray likewise. Now, I like to sing. We can sing our intercession. In fact, we have two songs of prayer that I want you to think about. I want you to take them to heart. You can sing them in your spirit. You can offer God prayers of intercession for the people that come to mind as the worship team leads out. It's Christ through us for the sake of the world. Let me pray for you. God, I lift up those in the hearing of my voice. People who perhaps have prayed for years and know the joy of conversation with their creator. And I pray for people who may have never yet prayed, but they want to engage in conversation with their maker. We submit ourselves to you and we ask that you would have mercy on our land, show grace to our loved ones, and we even pray for our enemies as well. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Empower us now in these next moments as we continue to pray for our world. In Jesus' name I ask, amen.